You're listening to the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for this week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. I'm Dwayne McCreary, your host and also the leader for the Adult Explore the Bible team. Today, I'm being joined by David Briscoe. He's one of the editors on the Adult Explore the Bible team. David, thank you for being with us today. Glad to be here again. We're going to be looking at session two for our study of Luke 10 through 24. Uh, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 15, verses 20 through 20, uh, 32. Um, the main point here is that believers can celebrate God's restoring forgiveness. In verses 20 through 24, now let me, before I get into this, I will say this, we're picking up the story halfway through uh, in what we're looking at this in this passage. It's the parable of the prodigal son, and the son in our his background, the son has already left, the prodigal son has already left, he's gone, he's squandered everything, and he's, he's now decided to come back to uh, the father, and that's where the story picks up. So in verses 20 through 24, we find Jesus telling this parable about a man and his two sons. The younger son, as I just mentioned, has already demanded his inheritance and he squandered it. He comes to his senses and he decides to return to his father and wants to seek forgiveness. He offers to work as a hired worker. The son felt he was unworthy to be called the man's son, even though the father greeted him with compassion. We've entitled this particular part of the story, verses 20 through 24, forgiveness granted. And the main idea here is that God offers us forgiveness when we turn to him in repentance. In verses 25 through 30, we find the older son hearing the celebration because of the return of the younger son and him becoming angry. The older son questioned the father, pointing to his faithful service uh, that had been given, and the father's failure to throw a celebration for him. We've entitled this part of the outline, verses 25 through 30, Resentment Expressed. And the main idea is that jealousy can rob believers of the joy of others coming to Christ. In verses 31 through 32, we see the conclusion of the story, where the father reminds the older son that his inheritance was secure, and that the return of a brother once thought to be dead, now alive, should be celebrated. So we've entitled these two verses in our outline, Reality Defined. And the main point here is that believers should celebrate the salvation of others. David, this is the story, as I mentioned, of the prodigal son. There's a pack item I'm going to call our attention to, and that's pack item 10. And it lists passages that are unique to Luke. This particular passage, where you have the the lost coin, the lost son, uh, are unique to Luke's gospel. In fact, the story we looked at last week, the Good Samaritan, is also one that's unique to Luke's gospel. There are some 500 verses that are only found in Luke's gospel. But this particular um, pack item, pack item 10, uh, we could make copies of that, hand it out to the group, and then they can see uh, where these unique passages are within the context of Luke's gospel. Let's go ahead and, and look at this right here. What are some ways of understanding the actions of the older son? Because the focus of our study is going to be on the older son. Right. Yeah, with the, with the younger son, of course, being in the background of that. Mm -hmm. So uh, remember two or three things here. Number one is 
again, this is a parable. Uh, and as we said last week about the parable of the Good Samaritan, Jesus told parables for a particular purpose. He crafted them he, uh, and told them so that they would evoke a response. It wasn't just a story that he wanted to fill time with. It wasn't just an illustration. It was meant to uh, pry open people's minds and hearts uh, so that they would could see themselves, but it would reveal their, their attitudes and their, their true uh, heart about some important things of life. And so, uh, as you mentioned earlier there, we have really in this chapter, Luke 15, a series of three. Uh, and, and they all, uh, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son, they all revolve around this idea, this theme of rejoicing over finding something. And so the 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 man, the shepherd, had a hundred sheep. One got lost. He goes and looks for it and finds it. And when he finds it, he's he rejoices. He celebrates. A woman loses one coin. She's got other coins, but she loses this one. And she just looks and looks and looks until she finds it. And then she calls everybody and wants them to celebrate with her. But then here you have this one about two sons, and one of them is a lost son, a prodigal son. And here's the, uh, here's an interesting thing about these three parables that this one, the one about the prodigal son, it's the only one of those three parables that really gets into the reaction of the non-lost items. In other words, uh, we never find out, well, how did the 99 sheep feel? Uh, we don't know. Well, we don't, what about the coins that weren't lost? Well, they don't feel, these are, but when you get to people, when you get to sons, two sons, one of them is lost, then you have this opportunity to uh, probe a little further and think, well, okay, how does not just the father and not just the lost son, but what happens in the context of this son who stayed at home? And so uh, the, the setting, uh, which is always important, the setting of, of Jesus telling these parables is revealed to us in, uh, early, earlier in the chapter there. So uh, Luke writes, all the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to Jesus. So Jesus was teaching and, and he was drawing crowds of, of all kinds of people, including tax collectors and people who were, you know, they were considered by the religious leaders and others. They were sinners. This was uh, a mixed crowd. I mean, right. when you think about religious heritage. And, and yet the Pharisees and scribes were there too. And they wanted to hear what Jesus said. Their motives were a little different. Uh, and so they began to complain gosh, this man, Jesus, welcomes sinners. And not only that, he eats with them. That eating with someone was a, a, an act of intimate fellowship. In other words, that was, you were close. Uh, so the very fact that Jesus would not only welcome them to come and listen to him, but would go to their homes and, and eat with them, uh, they were, the Pharisees and scribes just complained about that. 
but as we have said previously, parables can open up hearers to life transformation. Their hearts can be changed when they find themselves in the parable. So in this parable of the two sons, Jesus was making it easy for the Pharisees and scribes in his audience to see themselves in that older son's actions. Uh, and so if you just compare what these leaders said in uh, chapter 15, verse two, where they said, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And you see what they say, uh, what that older son said, and that's uh, those words are in 15 verses 28 through 30, uh, where the older son became angry, didn't want to go in to the celebration. His father comes out and pleads with him, but he says, hey, I've been slaving many years for you and I've never disobeyed your orders. You never gave me a, a goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came who has devoured your assets with prostitutes, you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. You know, if I'm a Pharisee, if I'm a scribe and I just got through complaining, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. I think I could see myself. Oh yeah in that older son. And that's, well, notice that he says, uh, your son, not my brother. Exactly. Uh, so that'd be the attitude that, the, that these Pharisees would have as well. These aren't fellow potential believers. These are sinners. They're not one of us. Um, so, you know, the primary way of, of understanding the actions of the older son is that Jesus told it, the story this way so that those uh, self-righteous Pharisees, the scribes who couldn't, couldn't bring themselves to welcome and, and celebrate that uh, tax collectors and sinners wanted to hear Jesus teach too. Jesus really just showed them what they were really like in that older son. And we usually think of this, this story as the story of the, of the prodigal son, mm -hmm. but really there's two prodigals here. There's the, the one who left and the one who stayed. So we could, could label it the story of the prodigal sons. Would that be a fair way to do this? Would, would, would we consider the, the one who stayed home a, a, a prodigal as well? Would he be a larger, I mean, he may not be a greater prodigal, but he'd be at least an equal prodigal. Well, uh, of course, it's, the, the word prodigal is not in the, in the biblical story. Uh, it, it's a word that um, you know comes to us from a Latin term that means to to drive forth or to drive away. So it, it came to characterize in English. It came to characterize someone who drives away all of his or her livelihood by uh, profane, wasteful spending. So a prodigal is someone who just you know throws stuff away. But and while there's no Greek word for prodigal in the parable, Jesus did describe the younger son's actions in just that way. He talks about him having squandered his estate in foolish living. And the Greek word there that's rendered squandered, this is back in chapter 15, verse 13. Uh, it means to separate, to winnow. Uh, so the picture is, you know, uh, the person who's going to separate the grain and the chaff and so forth, takes the pitchfork, he pitches it up into the wind. And so it's like, Okay, a prodigal is someone who just takes their possessions, takes their money, and just throws it to the wind. 
Um, so in that sense, then the, the son, the older son who stayed home, uh, he, he didn't squander things, uh, but he was nevertheless, uh, he revealed himself that he didn't know his father. He, he thought about his father in erroneous ways. He, he could only see his father as a taskmaster. Uh, his, the older son's anger and his refusal to join the celebration showed that, that it was just purely transactional between him and his father. He, he couldn't see the father's grace and his mercy uh, on him. He could only see it on this one, this other brother of his, who he didn't think deserved any kind of mercy. He thought he should have just been, but it, it, it revealed his heart that he was lost in a different sense, but certainly lost, well, just as the other brother had been. The father emphasized in, in, in his response, it's in verse 31, where the father says, my son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. That points to the grace that he has already extended to the son who stayed because he's taken care of, which does raise some other questions for us, David. Um, how should we understand verse 31 where the father says, my son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. Uh, uh, that's, a, that's an interesting statement. And again, I just remind us, uh, these are statements that Jesus intentionally put into this parable. So they mean something, and they mean something uh, to the people who were listening to him as he told this. And he was speaking directly uh, to the Pharisees and the scribes through that older son in the parable. In other words, they, he intended them to see themselves in that older son. And so in that context, then verse 31 is really a sad rebuke of those who claim to be religious, claim to be righteous. They were self-righteous. They claim to be sticklers for going through the motions of religious activity and were convinced that that's all there was to a relationship with God the Father. It's really a, a sad and a tragic uh, kind of reality to have all the advantages that the older son had, but never realize that those advantages were an expression of, of the father's grace to both of his sons. Uh, took them for granted in that sense. Absolutely took them for granted. And, and to the point that, that they saw themselves as either deserving of all of it because of their, hey, I'm, I'm your older son. I do all the motions. I, I, I did all the work. I deserve everything. Or felt like they earned it. Uh, and so that, that's the essence of self-righteousness. You feel like, hey, because of who I am, I deserve God's love. I deserve God's salvation. Or, hey, I'm a good person. I do good things. So I have earned God's salvation. Now that's set in contrast to, over against, in a very stark contrast to 
this younger son who squandered everything and yet came back in repentance and said, Father, I, I don't deserve anything. I don't, I, I deserve nothing. And I just ask you to make me a hired servant. But the father in grace and mercy said, no, you're a son. You now realize who I am and you realize who you are. I would, I would add one other thing to it, uh, Dwayne, and that is that you have a great commentary uh, on this whole idea of the works versus grace uh, relationship uh, with, with God in uh, Paul's letter to the Romans. So let me just mention it for leaders who might want to, to at least read it, but maybe even use it uh, in teaching this session there. Uh, Paul, in, in chapter 9, you know, 9, 10, and 11 of Romans, that's where he's talking about his, his deep desire that his fellow Israelites would be saved, that they would know God for who yeah. he is, uh -huh. going through faith uh, rather than it trying kind of to... It's like he takes a detour in Romans and kind of That's jumps in, right. I mean, in the 9, 10, and 11. And so here's what he talks about the advantages that the Jewish people had in, in his day in terms of uh, what God was doing in, in the gospel. He said, they're Israelites, the Jews. They're Israelites. And to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the temple service, the promises, the ancestors are theirs, and from them, by physical descent, came the Christ, who's God over all, praised forever. Amen. That's, that's what Paul wrote in Romans 9, verses 4 and 5. And what he was saying was, look at all these advantages that the Jewish people had over Gentiles and others who were coming to, to Christ, coming to God through faith in Christ. And Paul was saying that the Jews who had all these advantages should have been the first to recognize that all they had were acts of grace by God toward them. And so, again, in, in that uh, parable, the older son was like those Jewish people who had all of these advantages and yet still felt like, no, I earn my righteousness. I do it through works. Uh, God's a taskmaster. And the, the younger son, and in Paul's day as he was preaching the gospel, so many Gentiles began to realize they didn't deserve anything, didn't earn anything, didn't have the advantages, and yet God accepted them through Christ, through faith in Christ. And uh, Paul wanted that so badly for his Jewish brethren and sisters that they too could see that it was by faith, by grace, through faith, and not of works, lest anyone should boast. So verse 31 reminds us that both the Jew and the Gentile, the, the older son and the younger son, are there because of grace expressed by the Father. No exactly. other, that's just it, period. Right. And he chooses to, to extend that grace in that context. Now, 
One more question I want us to think about here, David, is how does celebrating the salvation of others help both the new believer and the seasoned believer? That's an important question, Dwayne. And, and so because it brings it into, into our own experience of, of faith in Christ and, and church. Uh, because here, here's, the, uh, here's the gospel story about it. Salvation in Christ is not just a restoration of an individual to God. It is that. But it's also the restoration of a family, of a community, a spiritual family, of God's family. And so uh, John, in, in 1 John 4, 20 and 21, had this to say. He said, if anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother or sister. And, and when John used the term brother or sister, he was talking about fellow believer. Mm -hmm. He's a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. So we have this command from God. The one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. So the idea is that John was talking about is that when, uh, when a person is saved, it's a member of the family coming back into the family who was lost, who was dead to the family, but has been made alive again and is back in the family. So others who are in the family, who themselves were raised spiritually and given new life, you know, it should be a, uh, a, a time of celebration when someone else, some new person comes back into the family. Uh, it deepens when, when we celebrate the salvation of others as believers, it, it deepens the family relationship. It, it means we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. And it reflects our obedience to God's command because he commands us. We're to love. It's not just about my relationship with God. It's about my relationship with God and my relationship with my brothers and sisters in the faith. It's about our relationship in that, exactly. in, in, family. in what you're saying there. Uh, let me just uh, highlight a couple things in the leader guide uh, in the teaching plans that will uh, that may help you with this particular session. Uh, one thing, one idea is for you to do the reading of the passage uh, as a dramatic reading. Uh, that's a different way to help this uh, help your group see this passage probably in a different way, where you have one person who takes on the role of the, the father and another one who takes on the role of the, of the sons. Uh, and, and you have, you ask them to read the different parts. So it may help them get a different perspective or gain a little bit better understanding of the conversation uh, that takes place in this, um, in this parable. Also, one of the things that's pointed to is pack item 14 uh, it's entitled The Prodigal Bookmark, and on it, it's a, a master for you to make bookmarks for folks to write the names of people whose salvation they want to celebrate. So it's a call for us as believers to pray for the salvation of other people and to create a bookmark that we carry around with names of people we would like to celebrate and for us to be reminded of the opportunity to pray for that person by name, which would be a tremendous way uh, to conclude this lesson, uh, this uh, as we're looking at this Sunday, for us to be reminded of our opportunity to pray for other 
people who do not know Christ yet. David, are there any other key thoughts or insights you would share uh, about this particular passage? I would just uh, emphasize that, that these parables, especially this one, uh, a father and two sons, you're talking about revealing the heart of God. So even though we've talked a lot about the two sons, uh, the, the father is really the central uh, character in the overall parable. He, he is the one, he reveals himself to be uh, a father of mercy, a father of forgiveness. And that's, that's the, uh, the idea in our summary is that believers can celebrate God's restoring forgiveness. Why, why, would we, why would we think, God, you, you shouldn't save that person or uh, some other person? Save me, yeah, but no, you know, that, that's just so foreign uh, to the, what God's nature is. And that's revealed in this parable that God loves those who are at home. God loves those who are away and wants them to come home. David, thank you for that reminder for, for us to think about that God was gracious to us. Why should we begrudge anyone else for celebrating and enjoying that same grace that we've experienced? We should celebrate it. From time to time during this, this podcast, we mention different resources in the Explore the Bible family. The Leader Pack, which we mentioned a couple times a day, the Adult Commentary, Quick Source, that's just to name a few. You can find out more about all the Explore the Bible resources on our website at goexplorethebible.com. That's goexplorethebiblenospaces.com. Thank you for listening to us this week. We'll be looking for you next week. Next week, we'll be looking at session three. We'll be looking at Luke 18. And hope you will join us again when you take a look at